Hey guys, just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at sidebarforever.com as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. I love westerns and Swain digs them too. From the black and white reruns we would see on TV as kids and all the way up to more modern takes on the genre like Unforgiven and Tombstone. Thus, we're here to review the new Netflix film, The Harder They Fall, a very fresh take on the western genre that still manages to check all of the boxes and outlaws, train and bank robberies, rowdy saloons, standoffs in the middle of town, cold-blooded murder, and the quest for revenge. Now, admittedly, we didn't know what to think of this movie when we first saw the trailer. Impressive cast for sure, but Swain and I were not sure if it would deliver what we really craved, a straight-up western. Well, The Harder Day Fall did not disappoint. Written and directed by James Samuel, starring Jonathan Majors, Regina King, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Delroy Lindo, and a host of wonderful black character actors, this film delivers, and then some. I'm Adrian Johnson. It looks like me and Swain are between a rock and a hard place. But you know what they say, a rock and a hard place is just what we call Monday. As we do a quick and dirty review of the new Netflix Western, The Harder They Fall. So, the movie, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Man, the harder they fall. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I fell pretty damn hard for it, you know? <laughs> even, even after, you know, my, re, my initial reluctance, I, I have to say, um, that, was, that was very, very good, man. Uh, very, very, very satisfying, you know? Um, but what, what did you think of it, man? No, I loved it, man. I really did. You know, and you and I had talked uh, ahead of time when we first saw the trailer and, and, and you mentioned your reluctance in mine as well, mm-hmm. because, you know, we were hoping for what would be a traditional straight up Western. That's right. You know, certainly, certainly, you know, put do your thing, you know, make it fresh and do it in your style. But we wanted a traditional straight up Western. Yeah, and uh, it absolutely delivered, man, with the uh, with the villainous bad guys and the you know, the standoffs and the grudges and yeah. double crosses and, uh, you know, robberies and, you know, this gang and that gang and yeah, we're riding, you know, riding, out of, riding across. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All of that riding out yeah. over the, the wide open vistas and the, you know, across the sweeping plains, you yeah. know, all of it, man. It, it had all of those things, yo. Um, yeah. But what'd sure. you think, Doc? Oh, man. You know, I, I, I just I just thought it was fantastic. You know, it was like this alchemy of um, of uh, Sergio Leone. I mean, I, I'm off top. You can see it definitely in the close ups of the faces and the eyes and stuff like that. 
those are trademarks of mm -hmm. like Sergio Leone's uh, westerns, you know. So you had one part uh, Leone, you had another part of like late period Tarantino, uh, specifically, you know, the Hateful Eight. You know, you could just see it in like the mm -hmm. staging, even some of the dialogue, the cadence of the dialogue that the characters were speaking and so forth. And what confirmed it for me was in the opening credits. Okay. When you see like the producer credits, it was like, ah, Lawrence Bender. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so there goes your Tarantino connection right there. But even some of the um, set designs and the way things were staged, you know, it really looked more akin to, you know, that same feel that the Hateful Eight gave to you. One of those things to where you can tell that, yeah, they took like actual locations. You know, they had to for a lot mm -hmm. of those wide shots. Mm -hmm. But then some of it was done on like uh, probably a closed set as well, like a sound stage or something. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So there was that. And then definitely, you know, the ending, you know, gunfight, the ending gun battle, all peck and paw. All peck and par, all day. Mm -hmm. That's the wild bunch, mm -hmm. all day. Or you could mm -hmm. also say with some of the action, you could also have a call back to, you know, John Woo as well. But John Woo was a adjutant of those peck and par movies. So either mm -hmm. way, exactly. it all goes back to peck and par. So yeah, between yeah. all of that, you get this, and plus it being fresh, a fresh, you know, set of eyes, so to speak, with the writing and the. Uh, direction by um, James Samuel, I thought it was great. I thought it just really, really worked, man. Yeah, yeah. It checked all the boxes for me as well. And uh, and, and like you say, if anyone is going to do a traditional Western, not a neo-Western or an alt-Western of any kind, mm -hmm. but if you're going to do a traditional Western, you're going to pull from, you know, those um, those those places, the Peck and Paws and the Leones. Uh, and 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 all those old John Wayne westerns sure. back in the day, you know, you go, you're definitely gonna do uh, you're definitely gonna do that to try to serve the uh, you know the genre correctly. But uh, the harder they fall is available right now on Netflix for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, it's written direct as Adrian mentioned by James Samuel. He's a uh, British director and writer, and he's also singer songwriter. He did the score for the film as well. Mm, mm -hmm. Wrote all the uh, he wrote all the music for it. This is his directorial debut. Wow! Yeah. And the movie stars uh, uh, Jonathan Majors as Nat Love, Idris Elba as Rufus Buck, mm -hmm. Zazzy Beats as Stagecoach Mary, Regina King as Gertrude Trudy Smith, mm. Delroy Lindo as the legendary Bass, Bass Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. Yes, yo. Yes, yo. Lakeith Stanfield as uh, Cherokee Bill. C.J. Ryler as Jim Beckward. Daniel Deadweiler as Cuffy. Uh, Eddie Cathegi as Bill Peckett. Mm. Excuse me, Bill Pickett. Pickett. Yeah. Dion Cole as Wiley Esco. And Damon Wayans Jr. as Monroe Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> And and the story it's about an outlaw and his gang and they're seeking revenge for this vicious double murder that happened uh years and years ago and along the way alliances are formed uh double crosses go down and a very dark truth mm. uh eventually comes to light. Mm. Um and we're going to spoil quite a bit of maybe not quite a bit but we're definitely going to spoil some of it in the uh in the conversation. Oh yeah, so. got to. So yeah, be, uh, be warned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, be forewarned, but man um I think, you know, the uh, the cast on this is probably, you know, 
the the, the real superpower of this movie. Mm, mm-hmm. I think uh, for this to be Samuel's first film, I think the directing on it is fantastic. Oh yeah, yes. Um, I think his shot choices and the camera movements, and even the dialogue from his script, like you said, all of it stays within tradition, but also has a modern flair to it. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? And the dialogue is snappy and fast enough. You know, if you go back and watch some of those old westerns, they move at a lot slower pace mm-hmm. than this does in terms of the dialogue. You know, in in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. and uh, this is definitely like Tarantino esque dialogue. And 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 Samuel is a uh, he's probably a little younger than you are, mm-hmm. so so he would definitely be you know someone who would uh, who has been influenced by nineties, you know nineties filmmaking and um, and so forth. And uh, in terms of his approach, yeah, to uh, to filmmaking. But um, man, the uh, who was your favorite in the cast, oh. and what are some of the things about the cast that stood out to you? Obviously, the you know the great Delroy Lindo man oh. is uh, yeah. yeah, he's he's just he's always awesome. He's never not awesome. As a matter of fact, he and Regina King are never not good. Oh man, sometimes the material is better. Yes, sometimes the material is worse, but they always deliver. Oh, man. I mean, just off top, you know, um, Lindo as uh, Bass Reeves, man, <sighs> for for him and the character that, that we know of the actual real life, you know, uh, person and plus the legend as right. well, um, just mm-hmm. his stature. And of course, Lindo's performance just really embodied that character. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. like, so when you see him, you know, like he means what he says, so to speak. And then in the ending battle, it's like the lawman, like outstretched arm with the cult. Bam! 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 <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Lawman. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, definitely. Yep. Lindo, um, Regina King, like you, like you mentioned. With her, it was funny how he, she was able to bring layers to it. Yes, she was definitely <laughs> an awesome, awesome villain. Awesome villainess, you know what I'm saying? But also bringing mm-hmm. layers of, and you have to have this with a good villain as well. It's not just all <laughs> mustache twirling, you know. She brought that layer right. of, here's, here's a backstory for you as to my origin, so to speak, you know what I'm saying? Why I mm-hmm. think the way that I think. And she did it so convincingly. And the thing with Regina King as well is her face. Her face says a lot. I noticed that in right. here. I noticed that in Watchmen. Like when she's having those type of monologues or having to give some type of expressive dialogue, her face says so much. That, that's like one of her mm-hmm. greatest instruments. Seriously. Yeah. 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 I, I, I would absolutely agree, man. And, and what you said about the character having layers, even after she delivers that really heartfelt monologue about her childhood, when she has uh, stagecoach Mary mm-hmm. uh, hemmed up and, and, and bound, you understand where she comes from. But at the same time, in my mind, as an audience member, she never left the category of she's still a villain. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. She's still a villain. I still am not rooting for her. I feel sorry for her, but she knows what she's doing. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I love Jonathan Majors as Nat Love. Oh, I yeah. thought he his performance was layered and he, you know, and, and complicated as the movie unfolds. Mm-hmm. You know, became more and more complicated because he didn't want to bring his this gang into his his shit show, and yet they followed him willingly because you know they were all friends. Yeah. Um, I thought Idris Elba was solid as uh, as Rufus Buck, and definitely like gave you that you know I'm the boss and I will fuck you up vibe. You know. Yeah. Um, Zazia stagecoach Mary, she was she was good. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield oh. as the <sighs> man. Just Cherokee Bill. The dark Cherokee Bill. Yo, yes, yo. And uh and he's uh he is somebody who I was like, okay, Lakeith Stanfield is gonna play like a villainous gunslinger type, but he absolutely pulled it off. He's really one of the one of the one of my favorite new actors, man, in terms of uh yeah. people who've come along in the last 10 years yeah. and really moved to the fore. And the supporting cast, Daniel D- Deadweiler as 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 Cuffy. Oh, Cuffy, yeah, she, she was awesome. She was she was wonderful, especially when they went in that that to rob that bank. Yes, and then she had that red dress on, <laughs> um, and um, and Eddie Eddie Gathegi as uh, as Bill Pickett, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was very surprised by Dion Cole as Wiley Esco because yeah. he's known he and Damon Wayans Jr. are known for more comedic performances, and both of them played relatively straight men. You know, to uh, to these other characters and played them well. You know, sem- somewhat dramatically and played them well. Yo, yeah, especially Dion Cole. Like, you know, I, I it took me a second. I, I I know I looked at the credits and I saw his name, but I forgot yeah. that he was in the movie. Even though they start with a close up of him, and then it was afterwards right. that I realized, oh, that was Dion Cole. That's that's the old Spice guy. That's the comedian guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah. From uh, Blackish and uh, yeah. from the commercials and yeah. uh, and uh, and his, and his stand-up specials and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. It was that was really a trip, man. That was really a trip to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie, The Harder They Fall, is great in the way that other great westerns have come along since you know uh, westerns started showing up in films. What you know, eighty, a hundred years ago, whatever it is. Yeah. Um. But, you know, decades in, we started to see, you know, a more refreshing or a newer or slightly different take on the Western. And, uh, and I think that that's what this movie has as well. In the, in the sense of, like, Unforgiven mm-hmm. or uh, uh, 310 to Yuma, the remake of 310 to Yuma. Mm-hmm. Or um, the assassination of Jesse James by the, uh, the, 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 coward. the coward Robert Ford. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned Hateful Eight, and of course Django as well. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. Like all of those, all of those movies that you just named, as far as like modern westerns, they all owe a lineage mm-hmm. back. In my opinion, they all owe a lineage back to the Wild Bunch, even back in '69. Because prior to the Wild Bunch, and you know, there were a couple of films before that that really showed, like you know. Um, not just the violence, you know, that's a, that's a part of it, but just following this gang of bad men, you know, so to speak. And you find yourself, because traditionally in Westerns is good guys versus bad guys, white hats versus black hats, that type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Whereas right, with the right, Wild right. Bunch and thereafter, you start seeing like, okay, well, let's see if from the side of the bad men, you know, and you find yourself over time rooting for them 
or in some ways they become more of an anti-hero. You know, even if they're not robbing mm-hmm. banks and stuff, it's still they're on a quest for revenge or to right a wrong, even though they're an individual or individuals who have committed wrongs against other people. You know what I mean? Right. And you find that right. lineage from the wild bunch going forward to the present very much in a lot of those um, modern Westerns as well. Like they're taking, you know, the opportunity to see it from both sides, so to speak, you know, the good guys and bad guys. And you find that there's a lot of gray in between, of course. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, this being uh, primarily an all black cast in terms of the, uh, the, the, you know, the main characters and the, uh, the support characters. Mm hmm. You know, I, I did some research on the actual uh, 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 historic figures that they're all portraying. And, all you know, all of these people, especially the, the main ones in the gang, these were all real people who lived in history. But yeah, 90% of the time, they never crossed paths. They may, they may not even have even lived and, and, and at the same times, you know, in terms of, you know, one was killed before the other one's crime spree started or that sort of thing. Or, you know, that whenever that, whenever... Whenever their uh, legend started to take off, some you know some of these other characters were already dead, you know, years and years before. Yeah. But many of them, you know, were uh, either former slaves mm. or uh, were the children of former slaves, and a lot of them had Native American parents or parents of mixed heritage, Native American, Mexican, uh, and so forth. Uh, the real Rufus Buck and his gang, they were teenagers. They were not middle-aged men. They were they all died when they were like 18 and 19. Oh, wow. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They start they started getting into trouble when they were like 16 and 17. Uh, the worst thing they did, and this actually mentioned in the movie, is they did kill a deputy marshal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they ended up getting caught and tried at like Fort Smith and then end up getting hung all together, you know. Dang. Uh, yeah. Same thing with... Uh, I think with uh, with Bill Pickett. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it's either Bill Pickett or Jim Beckworth. You know, got into an argument with some guy over a girl. He shot him. Uh, the guy didn't die, so he went on the run, and they eventually caught up with him. He ended up getting hung. Uh, Cherokee Bill, same thing. Got into a lot of trouble. I might be confusing a little bit of this, but. And, uh, but the, I guess a couple of the things that they made that were different is the real Trudy Smith, Gertrude Smith, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she was a pickpocket. Oh, wow. She didn't ride with a gang and rob banks and do all the, all the villainous stuff we see in the movie. She was a pickpocket. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the real Cuffy, um, I think you and I talked about this before, but you mentioned... Like, we were talking about the uh, the music in the movie, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. And um, them using... Uh, uh, a reggae, uh, reggae song, a reggae vibe as a, as as part of the score, the feel of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that being something else that gives it a gives it a fresh take. And you made mention that uh, seemingly in Jamaican culture, there seems to be kind of a uh, a real interest in cowboys, Buffalo Soldier. Yeah, um, I shot this sheriff. You see those references kind of come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real Cuffy, aka Kathy Williams, was the first black woman to join the uh, the army. What? She's one of the first. Oh, wow. Now, okay. leg- legend has it that she cut her hair short and pretended to be a man 
the uh, the uh, the physical inspections were hardly that, mm-hmm. and she was able to get through and pretend for some period of time before she was found out. <laughs> That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. <laughs> That's hilarious because so, you, you would think that just you know with certain mannerisms you'd be like, hey, okay, all right, I guess, right. All right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, especially to a bunch of horny cowboys, you're thinking they're definitely going to know what's up. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, that thing sashayed a little, oh, hey, now. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But she, she supposedly uh, joined the military, was the first, one of the first black women to do so. Wow. She ended up getting uh, discharged, dishonorably discharged. Dang. And, uh, and, uh, and then lived out her life doing other things. Mm. Uh, Stagecoach Mary was one of the uh, first people. She was a mail carrier. Okay. And she was known to carry that shotgun because, you know, people would try to rob her for the mail. Right, right. So she would carry that shotgun and she did her thing. And she ended up, you know, going into old age and moving back to her hometown, I think, and uh, buying a saloon. She actually did end up buying a business and, you know, and was a beloved figure in her town when she died. Mm. But she never ran with Nat Love. She never ran with any of those people. And much of the story is obviously a uh, a creation of uh, James Samuel's script. But um, but yeah, but those were all based on generally, you know, real life historic characters. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the way that I would equate that, man, is uh, kind of like something I made mention of uh, before when we talked after the movie was it's almost like this would be like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, not that movie, yeah. but the comic book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <When you bring, Okay. laughs> let's make that distinction. But the way yeah. you bring in all, all of these disparate characters that were created within ostensibly the same time frame, you know, the same decades or so of each other, mm-hmm. and put it together mm-hmm. as if they coexisted within this shared universe, if you will. And it works, right. it works great. I mean, it, it works perfectly. And, and I hope one of the byproducts of this is just as you, you know, laid out here, you know, and hopefully even further that, you know, it'll make people, especially younger people, go back and research the histories of these individual characters as real people. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I saw an interview with uh, uh, Samuel and Regina King and Jonathan Majors on uh, BBC One. Mm. And uh, and he mentioned that, you know, he wanted he wanted to do exactly what you described. He wanted to bring these these mythic, iconic, historic figures, you know, because, you know, probably roughly every one out of every four cowboys was black. Yes. Or was a person of color, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, we see in the movies, you know, we see all these white actors playing these cowboys, you know, back in the 40s and 50s and the 60s. But the reality is, is that was very hard work. That was very get your hands dirty work. And people who were former slaves or people who, you know, come from from really, you know, humble up up upbringing and uh, and beginnings. That's the only kind of work that they could get. Yeah. But, you know, when it's portrayed in the movies, you know, it's seen as if, okay, it's just cowboys and Indians and the cowboys are usually are usually Caucasian, but, um, but yeah, he said he wanted to create like, he wanted his movie to feel like the Avengers. Yeah. Well, succeeded. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, exactly. You know, he <laughs> wanted it to feel like the Avengers. Um, 
Let me ask you this. As it relates to the real-life characters, there was a bit of a fallout from the movie in terms of uh, 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 accusing the... Uh, not accusing, but actually um, kind of charging the filmmaker with, uh, with a bit of colorism in terms of his portrayal of some of the characters. Mm. So... So Stagecoach Mary and Gertrude Smith were bigger women, mm-hmm. and they were also darker women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, you know he he cast smaller, more petite, attractive women, and also in in Stagecoach Mary's case, you know, a really fair skinned woman who looked nothing like, you know, the uh, the real Stagecoach Mary. Right. And uh, but anyway, did you pick up on any of that, or were you aware of it at all? I wasn't aware of it, but um, it's it's funny that you bring that up. You know what I'm saying because. When uh, Stagecoach Mary is first introduced, and and I and, and I, I speak candidly, you know, just just within you know our community, the, the black community, you know, um, that's an ongoing issue, you know, with with right. us within the right. community. So you do find that you know um, that type of representation, you know, within the film, uh, and you go back and see like the actual person or. You, you consider within these circumstances, could a person of even that complexion have done this, you know, or whatnot? And it's and it's strange, and it shouldn't be that way, but it does come into play. And so, yes, mm-hmm. when she is introduced, in the back of my mind, that came to the forefront almost immediately. It's like eh, they probably casted her because she was a bit fairer skinned, and I shouldn't be thinking that. Because she did give a decent performance for what she did and everything. Mm-hmm. But I could not help having that thought like instantly. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, well, and, 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 and to some extent, it's probably not necessarily just because she's fair-skinned. Fair but movies are always going to try to uh, cast attractive, yeah. charismatic, and in most cases, well-known actors. And Zazie Beetz's star is definitely on the rise between Atlanta, Deadpool, and other films that she's been oh, in. She's yeah. definitely somebody okay. that gets cast in, in a lot, and is getting cast more probably now than she ever has before. She's booking more gigs. Yeah. But it is it, it was it stood out to me because Jonathan Majors in Lovecraft Country, the HBO's Lovecraft Country, his romantic balance was Journey Smollett, who was a fair-skinned woman, and that's right. always the Hollywood go-to is to have a darker male and a light and a fair-skinned uh, uh, black female, if if that's what the uh, the romantic uh, coupling is going to look like. That's right. But that's right. I think I think the other thing too is is they're just lazy, and as we mentioned in uh, you know, when we did our uh, our review of our of um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, mm-hmm. you know. Benjamin Walker is much better looking than Abraham Lincoln ever was. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is much more beautiful yeah. than Mary Todd ever was. Yeah. And they're just going to go for that every time because that's what you want to look at on screen for two hours instead of, you know, people who look at, you know, like average folks, I guess, like me and you. And, right. You know, the, uh, the real the real life characters in this in this movie, man. But um, sure. what did you think of the of the music? And, you know, James Samuel, he's a singer songwriter. He's singing. On some of the songs, mm. um, he wrote, co-wrote uh, all the music for the film, the score. Um, he and Jonathan Majors actually, there's a, um, I think that there's a thing that they wrote that that they sing near the end of the uh, the second to third act. Yeah, mm-hmm. that he and Jonathan Majors they wrote that together. Oh, really? But, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, what did you think about that? Because Django had some of that where it had you know music from the '70s and the '60s, and it's like, okay, 
this isn't really of the era, but it seemed to work. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of those things to where you know, I think I think that the obviously the fact that it's a you know mostly all black western, you have to have quote unquote. I'm sorry to say, it, I know this is gonna date me. You have to have a little bit of flavor to it. You know what I'm saying? Because just inherently, okay. you know, it being what it is, it's gonna bring that you know along with it. You know, but I thought the musical choices were very good. Like um, you had mentioned a few minutes ago, talking about, you know, sort of like there were um, there was a couple of um, reggae, you know, influenced tracks. Well, I shouldn't even say influence. Like they were straight up reggae. Straight, straight up reggae. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when they were entering one of the towns and, you know, it was funny because they're playing the track. The track is perfect. And they like show all the townspeople, you know, doing their thing, but looking at these newcomers, you know. And there's one in particular that they pass by that looks at the camera and they kind of hold it on him conspicuously. Now, he doesn't play any role in the mm-hmm. movie or whatnot, but it's just like he has a good face, you know, as an extra, mm-hmm. he has a good face. And his face and the way he looked matched the music exactly, you know. And that mm-hmm. put me in a mind of, like, I could see them riding into like downtown Kingston in Jamaica almost you know <laughs> what I'm saying and it's funny and that's what made me think of the analogy of how popular like um westerns and that whole cowboy and Indian mythology is in Jamaican culture down there especially beginning in the 60s and 70s and you have I mm-hmm. think it was even a movie called I think it's either called the harder they come, or it may be called the harder they fall, and I think it stars um, a, a reggae singer called uh, named uh, Jimmy Cliff or something like that. Well, you mentioned that before, Jimmy Cliff. I mean, you, Jimmy Cliff has probably sung one of the most popular songs ever. I can see clearly. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah okay. That, that's Jimmy Cliff. <laughs> oh damn. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He also did Many Rivers to Cross, but yeah, I can see clearly is like probably top 10 most played song in the last 50 years or something. Oh, so, you know. hell yeah it is. Oh, damn. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I, I thought, you know, that aside, definitely the, the music, you know, um, was definitely appropriate. And, you know, I also saw the credits that one of the producers was a one Sean Carter, a.k.a. Jay-Z. And I was like, you know, he got to yeah. get his cut in yeah. there. He got to get his cut right. in there. I got to wrap it up. I'm in the West End. Shell. Marcy Projects representing the Old West, yo. Marcy Town. Marcyville. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. But yeah, man. Yeah. I, I really like it now when it's done well, when, where uh, movies that are set in a period use modern mu- modern music and modern needle drops to uh, to accentuate certain c- certain scenes. Well, I lost my shadow and violent sin Never knew the search would be within I'm definitely a fan of it, and um, and you were talking about the uh, the cowboy connection in uh, in Jamaica. I have a coworker, 
uh, named Claudia, and she's from Jamaica. And she told me when she was a kid, she watched, you know, cowboy movies and, and uh, kung fu movies a lot. So yeah. that probably, as it was with us growing up and watching it on TV and in, and in film, it was with them as well. Now, let me ask you one, one minor point uh, before we move on. Uh, you were mentioning mm -hmm. about, you know, like modern music in these Westerns now. And I wonder if um, we could attribute that, you know, our, our popular ear getting an, used to that, perhaps even inured to that, to someone like a Tarantino. And not just with Hateful Eight, but way, way before that. You know what I'm saying? Popularizing, taking these songs of the 60s and 70s and putting them into these particular scenarios to the point to where now it doesn't seem out of place to us at all. It doesn't even seem like a juxtaposition. It's almost like, yeah, that song fits whatever this scenario is going on right here in this scene. Okay, I'm with it, you know? I think probably we could we put, could give Tarantino some credit for mixing it up, you know, bringing the old into a new setting mm -hmm. and having it be a buttress for the scene. I think the first time the reverse hit me where I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about this, was probably American Gangster mm. uh, with Denzel and uh, Ridley Scott, mm -hmm. where, you know, he had Jay-Z do the soundtrack for American Gangster. So it's set in the 70s, but you have this hip hop influence thing going on. Right. And then by the, but by the end of the movie, I didn't really care that much. And now I think people do it with a little more of a deft hand. Than, uh, than Scott did it in, uh, in American Gangster. I think it's done more subtly, and it's also done with a little more uh, intuition. Um, even in Lovecraft Country, a lot of the music and a lot of it is, is, is specific to the 50s. Yeah. But you do still have like a couple of modern songs that popped up in there where I was like, okay, wow, and they actually made it work. Okay. So I think, you know, if, if done well, I think, I think it definitely can, it can work. But um, I sent you the link. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, and again, The Heart of They Fall is available on Netflix, but uh, James Samuel, the writer and director, actually did what I would call like an elaborate demo. It's basically like a, like a, a proof of concept yeah. for the film. It's a 50-minute short film called They Die by Dawn, mm. and you can, you can watch it on YouTube right now. It's similar characters, uh, a somewhat similar story, uh, much shorter movie, less of a budget, I'm sure. But he had a dynamite cast in this in this proof of concept. Michael K. Williams, mm. Erica Badu, Isaiah Washington, Jesse Williams, Bokeem Woodbine, mm. Rosario Dawson, mm. Clifton Powell, and Giancarlo Esposito. Man. All in this in this in this movie. And it was great. I mean, it was, I mean, it's not as good as The Harder They Fall, but it was it was pretty enjoyable. Did you watch it? You know, you sent the link to me and I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. That's my bad. But man, just I can I can see uh just based on that description, man, that that's crazy. Now, now let me ask you this. Did Samuel consider was there even a consideration bringing back some of those cast members to do some of these roles at all? Did um, Samuel ever mention that um, in, in any regard? Uh, I listened to a podcast interview with him and he didn't mention it. He just mentioned that he had done it. And then Jonathan Majors mentioned it in an interview that I read that he had done it. Mm -hmm. um, and Majors, you know, talked about being friends with Michael K. Williams from working on Lovecraft Country and, and that sort of thing. But they didn't talk about the fact that Majors was going to be reprising Michael's role as Nat Love in this feature film. But 
Um, I suspect probably more than anything else is, is people's schedules just didn't line up. Mm. You know, Erica Badu in They Die by Dawn is by far the worst, you know, because she's not an actor. Right. You know what I'm saying? She's a, she's a great singer and she's a great charismatic presence on screen, but she's not an actor. But I'm sure everyone else, you know, just trying to line up to, to have them all come back, it pr- just probably didn't work out. Oh, man. Yeah. And, um, and I think it was, um, you know, in terms of who he did ultimately end up casting for the film, I think it I think it worked. And it was a different story and all of that. And, you know, artists tend to be like, you know, I don't want to go back and retread. You know, I did that one time or whatever. You know, I want to kind of move on. And then I'm sure some people were like, yo, man, I need a job. I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to work. But you can if, if anyone hasn't seen it, you can go to YouTube now. It's They Die by Dawn. Came out in 2013. That's when he shot mm. it. And uh, and uh, and it's definitely worth taking a look at if you're especially if you end up becoming a fan of uh of this movie yeah I, I know i definitely will be doing so for sure yeah yeah i got a little bit of trivia man and then i wanted to go into uh some of our favorite uh westerns all right just kind of like like a rapid fire kind of a blackjack you know throw a card down throw a card down kind of thing yeah but um got some good trivia man so in the film at the beginning when you're first introduced to the rufus buck gang as they're trying to stop the train and break uh, Rufus Buck out of the uh, the prison car that he's in. Yeah, the first time you see Cherokee Bill and you see Trudy Smith and they're walking alongside the train. Mm-hmm. The name of the train company on the side of the train car is C. A. Bozeman. C. A. Bozeman. As a tribute to Chadwick Bozeman. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Okay. As a tribute, as a tribute <laughs> to Chadwick Bozeman. And you mentioned earlier Jay Z, Sean Carter. As one of the producers on the film, yeah. um, if you look around in the in the uh, the town where they are, all of the names of the shops and stores have specific names in reference to Samuel's family members and whatnot. But there's a general store called Carter and Carter General <laughs> Store, <laughs> and uh, Samuel said he he was thinking of he was ta- he, they asked him he said okay we got to do these names we got to do it today so what you got. So he was trying to think of things to put on there. And he said, okay, Jay-Z, he's okay, Carter, that's a good name. And he called Jay-Z and he said, hey, Jay-Z, he said, what goes with Carter? He said, I want to do Carter and something else. What goes with Carter? And he said, Carter. (laughs) (laughs) Carter. (laughs) Carter. (laughs) Oh, boy. uh, But one of the general stores in Redwood was Carter and Carter. Uh, Another thing. Idris Elba, Big Driss, caught COVID while they were shooting the movie. Oh. Oh. He got COVID. And this was back in, I think they were shooting in late 2019. So COVID was new. So it shut the whole production down. Um, You know, they didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I mean, people were passing away. You know, it was all unknown. Yeah. I, I, but they might try to put him back in that prison box and say, stay your ass in there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's really why he was in there. They didn't put him in those cells. Yeah, they said, get back in that box dress. Come on, yo. <laughs> true, true quarantine, yeah. sir. <laughs> uh, and then also, uh, uh, Lakeith Stanfield now has officially played two bad Wild Bills. I thought about that as I was watching yep. the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 He played Bill O'Neill in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. And then he plays uh, Cherokee Bill uh, in this film as well. Yeah. So he's he's played two bad bills. And one more thing, too, about the cast. 
Because my man just can't seem to escape playing an asshole. Who that? Michael Beach in the beginning as the father of uh, <laughs> Nat Love. That was Michael Beach. And then really? Michael Beach. Yeah, Michael Beach. Damn, I didn't recognize him with the bald head. Yes. Oh, snap. Yes. Dang. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and he always plays like a like a really like despicable kind despicable kind of asshole. Yeah. And and if you watch the movie, you find out what kind of an asshole Michael Beach is before he gets blown away by Rufus Buck. That's right. That's right. Yep. So uh so anyway, but that's all the trivia that I could dig up. But I thought that was really interesting. I was like, okay, Michael Beach just he can't he can't get away from it, yo. He's tight. <laughs> hey, I got one more bit of trivia. Um, just this is almost visual trivia, I guess. You know. Mm-hmm. That opening scene, like you just mentioned, uh, where Michael Beach's character is sitting there with um, his his son, young Nat, and his wife, that's a callback, you know, to um, the beginning of uh, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, where Lee Van Cleef comes in on a separate setting of a husband, or at least a father, eating with his child in this little house or whatnot. He comes in mm-hmm. almost silently and sits down, even though the tension is there. You know, and you had mentioned, too, that that was also probably another callback as well, somewhat maybe, to the beginning of Inglorious Bastards, you know, where Christoph mm-hmm. Waltz's character does the same thing, comes to the house and a family is eating there. And then he does his villainous thing there, too, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder if that's just like that. I wouldn't call it a trope because it, it doesn't occur often enough to become a trope. But if that's just something visually because of the stature of that previous movie good, bad, and the ugly, mm-hmm. if that's something that just people kind of use going forward, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Lee Van Cleef, whew, damn you, Hauk. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and also, too, one other one other bit, it's not really trivia per se, but Jonathan Majors did uh, much of his own stunts in the movie, the riding of the horses and the shooting and all of it. Mm. Um, as, uh, as for, as, as, Fortuitous as it was, uh, Majors is from Dallas. He's from the DFW area. Okay. So he grew up riding horses. So that was very natural to him. And uh, so it was really just a matter of getting with the stunt coordinators and learning how to shoot and do all those other things. But he definitely had a background, uh, you know, with horses and was really comfortable with the idea of doing so. Yeah. So, but in conclusion, man, all right. some of our favorite Westerns, man. Oh, man. Uh, I'll let you start out because you're 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 the head. I'm 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 the little I'm the little I'm the little, I'm, I'm the little homie to you. <laughs> I don't know about that, but all right. Um, man, I got off number one. Wild bunch, man, love that, love that movie, man. Uh, Tombstone, uh, Red River by Howard Hawks is also another good one. Um, mm-hmm. mm, mm, now, now I got to dig back, dig back. Oh, of course, you know the the Clint Eastwoods, man. You got the good, bad, and ugly. Uh, fistful of dollars, the, the whole dollars trilogy for a few dollars more. Yes, and even the yeah, uh, for a few dollars more. <laughs> <laughs> that for me, yo, that was that was the blackest title of all. For a few dollars more. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> oh man, but um. But even like some of uh, those latter Clint Eastwood uh, westerns, like Two Meals for Sister Sarah, which is almost to me, that's almost an unofficial fourth movie to the to the Dollar Trilogy. He almost plays right, the same right. character, but not quite. 
And then, um, of course, the outlaw Josie Wells, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Then later on, you also have Unforgiven, which kind of closes the book, as far as I'm concerned, on Clint Eastwood and Westerns. That's like he said, ah, and to all a good night, you know. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, man. Well, what, what are some of yours, man, while I'm thinking of more? Um... I do like the searchers. I remember oh, liking yeah. the searchers when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a perennial favorite of mine. That's right. That's right. Uh, just tons of quotes, and probably, I would say, as a predecessor, it is the maybe the progenitor buddy cop situation. Yeah. In the sense of, of two different characters with two different skill sets. They're not necessarily supposed to be together, but they do kind of end up together and they're pairing they're better together than they are apart. You yeah. know what I mean? They're much better together than they are apart. Yeah. Um okay. but I would say that. Um as far as Clint Eastwood, definitely for me, high plane drifter. Oh, yeah. Um yeah. and the outlaw Josie Wales. Um Tombstone is is fantastic. Mm. I think you and I talked before about uh, uh, the character of uh, of Jim Beckworth, uh, kind of reminding us of the kind of smartass, uh, wisecracking Doc Holliday from Tombstone. You know, who was also a quick draw. That's right. You know, um, loved Unforgiven. Mm. You know, um, loved uh, Clint's performance. Like you said, it closed the book. Although he kind of reopened it with Cry Macho here recently. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, and I liked uh, I liked Morgan Freeman's character and his performance in it as uh, as Ned. Oh yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He was terrific. And I'm gonna throw one out here, and I know I'm gonna get I'm gonna get chided for it, but I kind of like Young Guns, yo. Oh, hey, hey, hey! I'm right there with you. The, the first one, <laughs> I, I love that. I love yeah. that, man. The second yeah. one, is, eh, eh, eh. but that first one, yeah. is great. And you know, the, speaking of Young Guns, man, that, that brings up another point I wanted to say, man. That's something else to where that was another movie that kind of brought together some real life characters in this fictionalized mm-hmm. story. Like, obviously, Billy the Kid was there, and it takes place during that whole Lincoln County War. Like, these are real events that happened there, even though some of the other characters, even though they existed, didn't coexist during that same period. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, but like with Billy the Kid, you know, everyone's seen that one mm-hmm. picture of Billy the Kid. You know the picture I'm talking mm-hmm. about. So when you think about yeah. Nat Love, there's only one picture that you've ever seen of Nat Love. You know one. what I'm saying? Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. he got that Easy E Jerry Curl underneath that. <laughs> <laughs> dope man, dope man. <laughs> Motherfucker, say what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com.
And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.